All right, I was asked to remind you guys that um, last night we had our, our uh, senior appreciation uh, banquet. Uh, it went really well. It was really fun, but we had a lot of barbecue. And as, as part of supporting um, our youth mission trip this summer, uh, that barbecue is is on sale. Uh, how, how much is it right now? Is it um, $20? $20 a pound right now? Um, um, Jason Richter is a good friend of mine. Now, barbecue is a competition between the two of us somewhat. But it's totally inappropriate. We are in a church service. Um, but, um, man, Jason puts love into barbecue, man. He drives all out of state to get mesquite wood to bring into, he does this right. And let me tell you, he nailed it this time. It's some good barbecue. Um, and so if you don't know how to do this, what you do is you pick up some barbecue. Is there sauce as well or no sauce? There is sauce. Okay. If there wasn't sauce, I'd say go to Ace Hardwell, get Ace Hardware. You want to get Brother Mel's sauce and you want to get True Pickles, T-R-U Pickles. Take notes of what I'm saying right now. You put that on a bun and you've got some barbecue, okay? I don't share that with everybody, but that's that's how you do some barbecue. Uh, but yeah, please please see him after church. Um, it's it's really great to support what we're doing, and, and this summer is going to be great for our youth. Uh, so, so go ahead and contribute to that, support that, and eat some good barbecue this afternoon. Um, I want to lead us in prayer in just a minute, but I want you to consider something. Um, this, this topic has really just uh, got me going this week. I'm, I'm in love with this topic of what it is to be blessed. And I, I want to ask you, just, just consider this as we go into a prayer. Do you believe that you can live life under God's blessing? And do you believe that you can live life under a curse? And what do those two words mean to you today? I'm convicted that you can live life under blessing. And you can live life under curse. Uh, My father, I just want to come before you and I beg you for wisdom. Um, uh, Both for me and the words that I share, but also for our hearts and how we receive them. God, that we would collectively sit at Christ's feet that we would hear the wisest words ever spoken on this planet and that you would bless us and show us what it is to live a life under your blessing. That's in Christ's name. Amen. Very first thing God ever blessed in the Bible were the birds and the fish. Very first blessing. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. The next thing he blessed was man. And he said the same thing. He blessed them, Adam and Eve. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. The next thing he blessed was a day. The seventh day he blessed. And he called it holy. And that word blessing flows through the Old Testament. It's a major theme of the Old and the New Testament. When God blesses. The the word that's used in Hebrew is barak. And the word simply means to kneel. Now that could mean one of two things, and I'm not sure. You can make your own decision. One is to honor somebody else. In other words, as Jesus washed the disciples' feet, you would kneel and serve them and exalt them, do something for them. The other would be more like a knight kneeling, and you would do something to you know bless them. But the word simply means to kneel. And it means to honor. And what you're going to see in this study this morning, what we're going to walk through, is that that is natural consequences 
of living in blessing, of living in His Word, and there's also supernatural consequences that are in, that are involved here. The New Testament word uses this instead, makarios, and that is a crazy, amazing word because it was a word that was used in Greek culture to speak of three groups of people: the gods. Only the gods are makarios. The dead. If you are dead, you are makarios. Or if you are extremely wealthy, and I mean on the highest level of wealth, you might be called makarios. Outside of that, they had other words for fortunate, happy, all of this. But this word makarios applied to the gods, to the realm that was above, to something that was altogether different. It meant paradise. It meant you are in a place beyond concern, beyond worry. The gods are there. The dead are there, good or bad. Um, and the elite wealthy are there where they have no concerns at all. You are exalted to a higher place in a higher realm. You are makarios. This is what these two words um, mean. And so we're going to kind of begin with the Old Testament. I'm going to work us into uh, Luke chapter 6. But... Um, After he blesses the seventh day, one of the most important verses in the Old Testament, where the story in the saga begins, is Genesis chapter 12, where God calls Abraham and he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now I want you to consider something. What greater blessing in life than to become a blessing? What greater blessing could there be than God is going to instill in you purpose that is going to serve him and bring meaning to other people's lives? And he says this to Abraham, I'm going to make you two promises. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. Thirteen times through the book of Genesis, this promise is given over and over and over again. This is the point. I'm going to pour blessing on you. This is what I want to do. When Joshua came into the land, Moses instructed him. I said, I, he said, I want you to go up two mountains when you go into the promised land. We talked about it a couple of Wednesdays ago by a town in the north called Shechem. And on the one side was Mount Ebal and on the other was Mount Gerizim. And he said, when you go into the land, I want half of the tribes to go up Mount Ebal and half of the tribes to go up Mount Gerizim. And I want you to say this to the people. And they're a mile apart. And, and, and each of them have this, I, I wish I'd have brought my Google Earth images, have this sort of like um, stadium cutout that's, that's within them so, so that the voices would echo. And just imagine the biggest sports stadium you've been in where it's just loud. And you can hear this massive, it's a nation, crying out across this valley to the other side. And, and in the middle stood the Levites, and in the middle stood Joshua, and they would say, if you will walk in the ways of the Lord your God, if you walk in His laws, do you promise to hold to His laws with everything you've got? And you'd hear the shout, Amen. Yes, we will. And they were going into this covenant, entering the land. And it's called the covenant of blessing and cursing. In Deuteronomy 28, 2 says this, All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock. The calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks will be blessed. Your basket, your kneading trough will be blessed. And you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Your life will be blessed if you walk in these teachings and these commands. And you hold on to them with everything you've got. Now fast forward to the New Testament. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. 
And I kind of want you to just open up there. And there's some things I want you to consider just especially in these um, in, in verses 17 through 24. I'm going to read this in just a second. This is called, and probably in, in your Bible, there's probably a heading here in Luke that would say Sermon on the Plain. And then in Matthew 5, it would be called the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason why is a very odd thing. When Matthew describes the scene, he says they went to a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him and he spoke to them saying, Blessed the poor in spirit. But in Luke's account, it says the exact opposite. He says they went to a level place, to a plain. And so one is called the Sermon on the Plain and the other is called the Sermon on the Mount. And they've been presumed to be two separate sermons because of that. But they take place exactly the same time chronologically in the two accounts. What I'm going to tell you is it's the same sermon. It's the same thing. The reason he says that level place is because if you're up on a mountain and you're going to look for a place to put a tent down, do you say, I put my tent on the mountain or did I put my tent on a level place? You can say either one. It's the same idea. So he's come to this place, to this clearing, and he offers this teaching. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. He went down with him and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. And how about this? And reject your name as evil. Now, Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount is very different from Matthew's. Matthew kind of makes it timeless. He spiritualizes it. It's not those who hunger and thirst. In Matthew, it's going to be those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In Matthew's account, it's going to be um, blessed are the poor in spirit. In Luke's account, he's just going to say blessed are the poor. Okay, we're coming to it down to a very serious situation in which these people are going to be kicked out of the synagogues. They're going to lose their livelihood. We are talking about literal poverty. We are not talking about simply a a poverty of the spirit, which is also what Matthew is going to do to bring it to a greater level. But he's going to talk about poverty. He's going to talk about everything that you would look at and say, that is not blessed. This is exactly what I would read and say, this is a cursed life. You're poor. You're hungry. You're weeping. And your name is regarded as evil. Um, and then he gets into the curses and he says this in verse 24, but woe to you who are rich. You've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed. You will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when men speak well of you for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Wow. Look at the, what he just said here. Now, if I, if I just took this and applied it in a general way to myself, if this was my daily Bible reading time and I opened up to Luke and I read the verse, well, you're cursed if people are saying good things about you. Man, I, you just lose your mind, man. I mean, I can't win, right? But he's saying this, you're selling out. 
You've sold out to society and you're scared to live against the grain. You're scared to live countercultural. And you won't. You, you're just driven by society and wherever dr- society leads you. And my calling right now to discipleship is going to make you stand against a culture that is anti-God. And that is what he's going to say to these people. And you can already see how this is going to start becoming extremely relevant to us today. I want to talk to you a little bit about blessings and cursings and, and kind of the way I understand this. Suppose I want to go up into the mountains. And um, um, I'm going to spend, I'm going to just tell you, listen, um, I want to go up for a week on Long's Peak. And I'm going to go up there for just a, a devotional time where it's just me and God. And I'm going to be up on Long's Peak for a week. And so some of the guys that are more experienced in this room says, he's from Austin, he came here in a two-wheel, two-wheel drive Jeep, we're going to give him some advice on how to live in the mountains for a week. And so they say, um, Jeff, I'm going to tell you that you probably ought to bring gloves. And, and th- my teaching for you is that you wear a hat. And my teaching for you is that you wear... Um, lip balm, and you protect your lips. And these are things that are, these are my friends. This is Milt or my dad or somebody speaking to me, and they're saying, Jeff, this is what I need you to do so that you are not miserable and cursed on Long's Peak. And so you put this stuff on, and you think, um, this is ridiculous. Um, your teaching is old-fashioned. It's not relevant to me, and I'm pretty tough. Um, and so I disregard your teaching. And I just say, listen, that was for your generation. Um, but I don't need this stuff. Now all of a sudden I go, and this is us. And this is sort of a parable, but this is exactly us today. So I go, and I am brutally freezing to death, which I have done before. I was with Brad one time, and this happened. I'm dying. I'm freezing. And what do I do? I curse you. And I say, why are you letting me freeze? Why am I in pain? Why am I hurting? And God's sitting there thinking, I told you to walk in my teaching and you would be blessed. You chose not to walk in my teaching and you're cursed. And now you've got the audacity to turn around and curse me. Because you disobeyed my teaching and this is happening in your life. Now you know that's what we do today. We turn around and curse the God of all blessing. Who only wants to pour blessing into your life. And say you want to survive in this world. Adorn yourself with Christ. Be my disciple. Give yourself wholeheartedly to this teaching. And you will be blessed. No. You will be makarios. You will be In this place where there are no worries because my teaching will preserve you. This is what it is. And so in a sense, there is a natural blessing to the fact that I'm warm if I wear the hat. But there's a different meaning to this word in both the Old and New Testament that it carries. And that there is also a supernatural blessing. That God is saying, you are walking with me if you are walking in my teaching. And I will protect you and I will provide for you in the worst of circumstances. Today, we're in a circumstance where we look at the law of God and the word of God. 
And I've said this a lot in the last few weeks because this means so much to me right now. We consider this book as though it is healthy advice for life. But we don't honor it as holy advice for life. That this is the means by which I live in God's blessing. And then we challenge it and say, but that's not natural and that's not my nature. And Paul is going to answer you in the book of Romans and say, exactly. In fact, all of my commands are against your nature. And the Sermon on the Mount, look, and I'm just going to go through some of this. He says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. If someone strikes you on the one cheek, turn to him the other. He's going to say, do to others as you would have them do to you. That one we can is a little bit more palatable. Don't judge. Take the plank out of your eye before you try to take a speck out of somebody else's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What Jesus is trying to do in the Sermon on the Mount, and by the way, it has everything to do with the covenant of blessing and cursing in the Old Testament. He's doing the exact same thing because we're initiating a kingdom right now. We're coming into a land, and that's why he's going to say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land. Blessed are the, he's going to talk about the kingdom and the land and all this, and all of Joshua's language because that's what's happening here. Um, this is what, um, this is how he's going to conclude the Sermon on the Mount. And these are the verses that I think are the most important to me in this context. I'm going to show you what he's like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. He's going to go on and say, but the man who hears my words and does not put them into practice, he's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. What I want you to consider this morning is, um, I mean, for some of you, you read that and you heard that and you said, I've been there. You know what it's like when a flood strikes your home, when a torrent hits, when all of a sudden devastating news, something comes along that rattles you, that shakes you, that changes your life forever. And for some people, man, they're crushed. They are crushed. It's over. It happened to two people the night Jesus was crucified. Peter and Judas both went out and wept bitterly. They were in deep pain. The flood struck. Disaster hit. And one took his life because it was over. And the other said, my life has changed now. And everything is transformed because he holds on and Christ brings him back. So I'm going to mention some terms here, some words, just to get your blood boiling. Classes were not controversial enough this morning, so I'm going to get into politics. Segregation, prohibition, woman's suffrage, abortion, 
gay rights, gay marriage, recreational marijuana, affirmative action, minimum wage, welfare reform, health care, the death penalty. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, military drafts, animal rights, global warming, transgender discussion. I wonder if any of those those words, those themes got your blood boiling just because I said it. You have strong opinions about some of these issues. I do too. And on most of these issues, I would even tell you that there's a right and a wrong. I'm there. But I also think that our culture and our civilization is dictating the discussion. And we're marching to the beat of whatever we watch on the news. I'm, I'm concerned that we think that whatever is popular is right. I'm concerned that we think that as a culture we have advanced to a point that where we have figured things out morally and that the best thing to do right now is what culture accepts. And the more that the church or or we as individuals try to conform Scripture to the plumb line that has been set by culture, Instead of trying to conform our culture to the plumb line that has been set by Scripture. I'm seeing that happening in more and more people in the church today. We doubt God's word. We doubt the authority of God's word. We doubt the timeliness. We, we, we think that it's irrelevant. We think that it's been manipulated. Whatever else we're going to do to it, it no longer holds authority. And what we're doing is placing ourselves under a curse. When you leave God's word and you leave his law, listen, you're throwing this stuff on the ground and you're saying, I've got this. You will freeze to death. You will be in a lonely place. You will be in a hurting place. Um, God's word, and I know it's been manipulated. I know the sins and sicknesses that the churches have committed over the years. But listen, at least it's a rock. At least it's something solid. At least it's something firm. It's something that would bless your life. And Jesus says this, build your life on these teachings. Build your life on these teachings. Mm. And you will be makarios. You will be blessed when you go in, blessed when you go out. I'm going to give you a foundation. Now as parents, this is a difficult message. Because... My parents were great parents. Gave me a lot of freedom to make my choices. As parents, you watch your kids make choices. Especially those of you who have young children. And you're thinking, what choices are they going to make? My daughter comes to me and says, I'm going to go spend a week up Long's Peak without a coat, without gloves. You're going to do everything in your power to say that's foolishness. Somebody goes and they say, I'm going to live my life away from Christ. I'm going, to, I'm going to enter a relationship, a romantic relationship, a marriage with somebody who does not wear the name Christ. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a deadly, deadly path. Now, I know some of those words are hard and they're hard to hear. Keep the wedding bed undefiled, he says. 
Seek first the kingdom of God above everything else, he says. And when we offer invitations or when we talk to friends or we beg people, give your life to Christ, and we talk about words like discipleship, I know that we use them too flippantly. To be a disciple of Christ is to say, my God, your law, your word, everything that comes out of your mouth is my life. I give myself that to you. I surrender myself to that entirely. I'm not going to question you. I'm putting the gloves on. I'm putting the hat on. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give myself to you. To not do that and to see someone that you love in your life not do that, to reject his word, to live life by your own standards. I get calls almost every single day from somebody I love that is cursing out God. Because they have chosen to live a life outside of his blessing. And now they're angry at the God that only wants to pour blessing into their life. And you know that as well. So James says this. Don't merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Listen, the teachings of the New Testament and the teachings of the Bible are, going, are very unnatural. They almost, all of them are. They, they run counter to my instinct. They run counter to who I am as a person. And Christ is saying this. I want you to submit yourself to it. And through my spirit, allow me to change you from the inside out. Allow me to do that for you. And you will be blessed. Right now, there are people in this room. And I believe this. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of like, I like what David said this morning. This part, I'm just Jeff. I'm just talking to you for me and I can be wrong on things. But I really do believe this. I believe that there are people in this room that have chosen to live their life under a curse. I believe that you can live your life under a curse. And that it's not just natural consequences. I believe part of the curse spoken of in the Old and New Testament are supernatural consequences. And there are people in this room that know what it is to live your life under blessing. Absolute Blessing under the hand of God. Um, I want to lift you up in prayer and just your heart. Because some of you are going to make a decision. Especially if you're younger, but it's really of all ages. You're going to make a decision coming from the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus, for the first time, gathered his followers. Everywhere else he's been in the synagogues. Everything. This is the first time where... People from all over that were his followers came and they sat and he said, we're about to engage in kingdom talk. And you're going to make a decision if you are going to live a life against culture. That you are going to live the kind of life that is not popular. You're going to live the kind of life and you're going to submit to the kinds of rules that are not in vogue. And you're going to be blessed when you do it. I wanted to show a video this morning 
that uh, I felt so silly crying when I was watching it. Uh, but I shared it years ago here. It's an aerial view of sheep. And it's, it's, it looks like, I, I'm guessing, thousands of sheep. And you see the sheep doing these designs and these patterns because the sheep only follow the tail end of the sheep that's in front of them. You just go where culture takes you. You just go wherever the person in front of you is following, and that's what you do. Uh, there was no, nothing more important to me than I was young than being cool. And what being cool meant was doing what other people do. And, and that's what sheep do. And Jesus is saying this, lift your head up and look to the shepherd. And just follow the shepherd and be willing to live the kind of life that is against this. And I'm going to promise you this. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed when you go in, blessed when you go out, blessed when you lie down, blessed when you rise up. What you put your hand to will be blessed. But most importantly, at the end of this life, when whatever is written on my tomb is written on my tomb, whatever slideshow they play for me, because my life is over, to live a life where you were blessed and God turned you into a blessing. And you were the salt of the earth. And you were the light of the world. Hmm. That's powerful. That's powerful. If I die tomorrow knowing that my life honored God, compared to living a hundred years engaged in whatever culture wants to engage me in, I will die tomorrow. Happily. <coughs> Father, I just... Um, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm begging God that you speak beyond my words. Um, I pray, Father, for your people and for those that are in this room right now. God, I want to lift up that person that's in this room right now that their heart is so hard and they have abandoned you. They will not let you in. And I want to pray that by your spirit, God, that you would redeem us the way you redeemed Saul. Um, God, that you would um, forgive us for our sins. God, my sins are always before you and I know that. But God, even through our sin, um, I just want to ask you that you would re that you would reinvigorate your people to love your word, to love your law, to honor it above everything else. And I pray, God, that we would sacrifice ourselves completely in this world. That you would teach us the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And that we would raise a clear wall between what is holy and what is common. And I beg of you for this nation. And I beg of you for these people. Uh, God, that we, whatever values are in vogue at whatever generation. I pray that you teach us that they're just the waves of the sea. They change every generation. But you're holy and you're above all that. I want to thank you personally for the people that are in this room. Uh, people that I look up to uh, that are salt and light, uh, that make a difference in this world and live for purpose. I pray, God, that you bring each of us to the mount 
Uh, you'd bring us to Jesus' feet. And that, God, you would awaken us to some conviction. Um, I thank you so much for a blessed life. And I ask your blessing on those that are in this room. I pray, Father, that you would bless us and keep us. That you would make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. That you would turn your face toward us and give us peace. Amen. Let's worship God.